This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Car has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. And what a first day of free agency it was. Michael, let's just hop right into it. Your initial thoughts on Joe Douglas's first day of his second free agency as the GM of the New York Jets. Yeah, I'm coming out of it really excited. And obviously it started with some skepticism. I think missing out on the two big offensive linemen, it definitely hurts. It really hurts because it was a big need to fix the interior O-line, arguably the biggest because they did give up the most pressure um, on the interior O-line of any team in the league last year. So it was a big issue they needed to fix. And Corey Lindsley and Joe Tooney were the only legitimate obvious upgrades on the market so not coming away with one of them is definitely disappointing but I don't think you can can ever criticize a team for missing out on one player or two players because you're not the only team in the league there are other options out there you can never force a player to sign with you Um, and it, it does seem like that they didn't or the report was that they didn't even go after Corey Lindsley which I guess is a sign of confidence Connor McGovern which is something I'm okay with because he was the top 10 center in 2019 top 10 center second half of last season after a rough start. So I'm okay with that. But in terms of Tooney, he decided to go to the uh, two time defending AFC champ instead of a two win team. So there's really not much you can do about that. It's still disappointing from our perspective, but I it's hard to knock them. I would have loved to have them, but it, and it definitely hurts because of the lack of depth at that, at a huge position of need uh, on the open market at guard um, but it hurts, but you can't really knock them too much, but they rebounded. Well, Corey Davis is an ad that I love and Carl Lawson as well. Both of those two guys I had as they were both among my favorite targets at those two positions. Uh, so they rebounded. Well, I like how they were able to come out of this day uh, with a couple of huge upgrades at big positions of need, even though they were not able to get uh, the, the one position that we were looking at the most, right. I think. Yeah, I mean, when we said just a few days ago, Robbie asked us what would be a bad or worst case scenario for free agency. And we said missing out on Tooney and Lindsley. But we said in our Jets X Factor simulator podcast that if we do miss out on Tooney and Lindsley, Douglas has to pivot. He's going to have to change his philosophy, which he did really well. And I agree. I mean, the interior offensive line, it's a big 
you know, it, it hurts a lot, especially losing Pat Elfline to the Panthers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Tooney, I agree. There was not much the Jets could do. I mean, you laid it out perfectly. If you're going to get $16 million a year for five years from a team that is, you're going to win Super Bowls. I mean, Pat Mahomes is going to win two or three more Super Bowls in his career, at least. I mean, he's just a transcendent talent. And you're right. I mean, there's uncertainty of the Jets quarterback position. There's always the draw of, of being in New York, but, you know, for Tooney to go from one dynasty to another, I mean, it, it's too too hard to turn down, especially when the money's close. I can't imagine Douglas was offering that much more than $16 because we even said that, like, if it starts to get to $17, 18000000 million for Tooney, I don't think Douglas would do it. So I, I imagine Douglas probably offered around $16 million. Um, but you know, I, I, they rebounded so nicely. So let's just hop into it. We'll start with the first guy of the day that you didn't even mention Gerard Davis, the linebacker. We've been talking about how much of a need the linebacker position was for the jets switching to a fourth from a three, four to a four, three, two spots at outside linebacker, solid runs base personnel more than any other team in the entire league. And so those linebackers are going to be on the field. Michael, first, what are your thoughts on Gerard Davis as a prospect? And then second, what are your thoughts on his fit in New York? Yeah, so this kind of reminded me of last year how we were all disappointed the Jets weren't doing anything and then finally get some news and it's George Fant. And then this year it's Gerard Davis. So not the most exciting news to start out, but I, I think there's a lot of sense to this move. Um, there there were some really good linebackers who they could have gone, at, uh, gone after or still could go after, like your K.J. Wrights, Nicholas Morrow, Jayon Brown. But with C.J. Mosley under contract, who there were trade rumors about actually, which would be a tough thing to do because the money you have to eat to trade him and the fact that you don't really have anything else after him and you're not going to get much value back right exactly so i'm not sure that would even happen but um it's uh it's a position where they probably weren't going to spend a lot of money already having mostly on the books so davis makes a lot of sense i think um one year deal and last season with the lions he was demoted to a sub package situational role and it worked out really well for him he put up the best numbers of his career was very good in coverage. Um, the question mark is that his first three years, the first three years of his career, he was a starter and he was not good. He missed a lot of tackles, was victimized in coverage a lot. So if he does have to start for you, because really the way uh, the, the linebackers are rotated in a 4-3 in the NFL today, this is how it was in San Francisco and Atlanta last year for Olberg and Sala, is you have two every down linebackers, just like in a 3-4. And then you have a third guy who plays typically about a third of the snaps Depends on the game plan. Sometimes they'll play only 15%. Sometimes they'll play up to 50-60%. But you have your, your two every down guys and a third guy. So Davis was that number three guy for the Lions last season, and he did good in that role. So if he has to do that again for the Jets this year and they find a starter next to Mosley in the draft, most likely, or with another free agent, then I think he has a very good chance of uh, being maybe not worth seven million but a good value on one year and playing very well in that well role. It's, it's five and a half million the seven, the seven right million. right right it's five, five and a half million with the incentive so on that number he can definitely be a good value if he's a rotational guy again if he has to start it, it could he definitely there's a good chance he could revert back to the majority of his, his career the those first three seasons but he also could be just a late bloomer like demario davis was when he went over to the saints after his breakout year at the jets so uh one-year deal, good security linebacker, covered well last year, has good speed and athleticism. Uh, I think this is good scheme fit, good security. I like I like this move. If, if he has to start, it's not a lock. He's going to be good. But um, if he's going to be that number three guy, he should fit in well. If he does have to start, there is some upside. 
Yeah, well, I definitely think he's going to start. Um, but the question is, is he going to be the third linebacker, like you're saying, or the second linebacker? Because even though Sala plays that base 4-3 more than any other team, that's still only 33% of the time, I think is what you told me earlier today. So they're going to be a nickel the vast majority of the time, and you're going to have to keep two linebackers in. So if they target linebacker, hey, they could double dip. They could go after Mora, who's more of the will linebacker, whereas Davis is more of a Sam, or they could draft somebody. But I definitely think he is their starting Sam linebacker. I mean, his production as a blitzer actually really surprised me. Yeah, um, he, he has really good blitz numbers. That's one thing that throughout his whole career has been great at. Yeah, and, and he has that that sideline to sideline range. There's some concerns in pass coverage. I certainly don't think that he's going to be, um, you know, an amazing Pro Bowl level signing for the Jets, but he was a very needed signing. Um, and I'm a big fan of it. You know, I think the one thing throughout the the all three signings on day one that I noticed that sticks out to me is youth. The Jets targeted 25, 26 year old guys because they know this is not a one-year turnaround. I mean, they might be a lot better next year. Hell, they could compete for a wild card. Who knows? But they're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. If they're going to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be two or three or four, maybe even five years down the line, hopefully more in that three-year range. Um, I really like the signing for the Jets. Um, I think he's that perfect Sam linebacker. I'm excited to see how Saul uses him. I think this is a clear example of a uh, of a team thinking they can get more out of him than, than what he uh, produced in, in his previous stop. I just think that Sala is that type of coach and this is a perfect scheme fit for him where I really think Sala is going to get the most out of him. So I'm excited about Davis um, a much needed signing. I'm curious to see how they pursue linebacker because, because they whiffed on the, on the offensive line pick 23 probably has to go to an offensive lineman. If it doesn't 34 has to. So one of those picks has to go to an offensive lineman and linebacker kind of moves down the depth chart there. I mean, there's still, you could probably add another edge. You could probably add another receiver. We'll see how free agency shakes out, but linebacker probably isn't something that's going to get targeted in the draft until day two at earliest, maybe even day three. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how they go, but I like the Davis signing. I think he's going to be a, an impact guy for the jets. I think he's going to contribute um, Corey Davis, another Davis for the jets really like this signing. I mean, he was pretty much the exact type of receiver that the jets needed and Hey, they could still, they could double dip a receiver too, considering all the money they have. We'll talk about that in a minute, but Corey Davis, Michael, what are your thoughts on him and his fit in Michael Fuller's offense? Yeah, I love this one. He's a guy who we weren't really talking about that much because there wasn't, uh, there was, um, there were odds on his, his potential destinations and the jets weren't even on it. So it wasn't really discussed a lot as a rumor. And I think, most of us were more focused on some of the like the yak guys, the Curtis Samuels of the world, which could still happen, um, but more so that type of receiver than Davis, who's an outside guy, contested catch, big bodied sort of option. So we weren't really talking about him much, but it it does make a lot of sense. Uh, he comes from a Tennessee offense that ran a lot of play action like the Jets will under Mike LaFleur, a Tennessee offense that ran the ball outside a lot and asked him to make key blocks. And he made those key blocks at a great rate. He's a very good blocking receiver. So his blocking, his ability to produce off play action. Uh, there's a great stat from NFL Next Gen Stats that he led all wide receivers and tight ends last season in yards per route run on play action plays last season. So his blocking and his play action prowess make him a great fit in this offense. Uh, he was number three in intermediate receiving yards last season. That's 10 to 19 yards downfield. So he's going to cook on those crossing routes, dig routes, all that stuff over the middle. And he is a good after the catch guy. He's you know, not the prototype sort of after the catch guy that you think of in terms of speed and shiftiness, but he does have that in his game. So 
I like a lot about this. And he's another good contested catch weapon. He's been one of the best contested catch guys over the past two seasons. 65% of his contested catches this year, 71% in 2019. That was the best in the league that year. So there's a lot to like about Corey Davis. And just overall, this past season, he led all wide receivers in terms of the percentage of his targets that were a first down or touchdown. He's second in yards per target. He was elite last season. The question is just, can he maintain that? Because he was playing in really favorable conditions. He was playing next to AJ Brown, who's an absolute megastar. He's playing a Titans offense with an amazing run game, a great offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith, who we've talked about plenty, <laughs> very favorable conditions over there to produce. So the question is, can he do that in a new place with the jets where they're going to be asking him to be the focal point rather than feeding off of all those other things. So that's the question. And also he is sort of a one-year wonder. He's still, was a great contested catch guy, intermediate guy, did a lot of the same and blocking, did a lot of the same things really well throughout his career. But, you know, his production took a huge jump this past season. So that's a question right. as well. So the maintainability is the big question with Davis, but he was elite last season. Yeah, I mean, and the pedigree is certainly there. The fifth overall pick, the pick actually right before Jamal Adams in the 2017 draft. Right. We talked a lot about Davis right at the beginning of the offseason. And I think the talk kind of faded as we got closer to free agency. Um, but I love this fit. I mean, I think him and Mims over the middle on those crossing routes uh, is going to be deadly. And and the Jets are really banking on on Mims's growth as a receiver. Um, but I think he fits in really, really nicely with Corey Davis. I'm curious to see what they do with Crowder. Do they stick with Crowder and draft another receiver? Do they cut Crowder and sign a guy like Samuel or Juju uh, and still draft a receiver? I'm just kind of curious how they're going to build this offense um, because it's not necessarily, you mentioned that he isn't, necessarily the yak type of guy that we thought they might go after however he certainly can i mean he he has the blazing speed you posted that one play where he just absolutely cooked i think it was the lions just cooked that that secondary with a beautiful route and then obviously scored a touchdown after making a guy miss twice um so he certainly has that in his in his game um but yeah he's more of the big bodied receiver it does seem like lafleur at least just off one signing we don't really know the whole thing they might be trying to build this offense more in that Tennessee mold or more in that 2016 Falcons mold because they have Mims who isn't really much of a rack, uh, a yak guy. He's more of that contested catch guy. I think his, his deep ball is underrated. Uh, and then Davis is kind of similar as well. So two big bodied guys, it does bring up the question of Crowder. Do they really believe Crowder can be that yak guy? Um, I, yeah, I think to fill that, they really need a fourth guy who can yeah. fill that sort of like and, a and there, designated gadget guy. And there's plenty of those in this draft. I would say that's yeah. the vast majority of the receivers available in this draft, especially when the jets are going to be targeting them. So I think they're in a nice spot there, but Davis is a guy that I really, really like again, another young guy, highly productive. And yes, he was playing, working off Derek Henry and AJ Brown, but he still had Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball. Who's been absolutely phenomenal the last two years, but it's not like he had, Aaron Rodgers that he was, you know, benefiting off of. He's really grown as a player the last few years. Uh, and another example of the Jets betting on a guy that they think can maintain his level of success from last year, maybe take it um, higher. I really like this deal. And then when you look at the Patriots signing Aguilar to $13 million a year, the Jets getting Corey Davis for 12 and a half seems like a, a really good deal for them. So, yeah, and that's another thing. I think we weren't really talking about him because I think most of us assumed he was going to go way higher than that. Yeah. So, this is definitely a nice price, I think. And it's nice to see Douglas, because uh, I think right after Tooney and Lindsley got signed, and it was interesting that they didn't have any interest in Lindsley, uh, Jets Twitter started to panic. 
you know, is, is Douglas going to be doing the same shtick he did last year, which is a lot of one-year contracts, bargain bin shopping. And yes, it, it, he's always going to build to the draft, but free agency is still a tool to be utilized. Uh, and throughout the first day, I really like how he's utilized it. Obviously it needs to continue, but three highly productive guys that you can, that are young, that you can build around and guys that you, you believe can grow. Davis fits that mold perfectly. I'm really excited to, to watch his fit in this offense. Um, and the Jets finally investing in their in the young quarterback's talent. I mean, he finally has a weapon, a legitimate weapon opposite Mims. I was worried there was the whole like, are they going to Jets going to sign resign Prashad Perriman? You know, there was always the interest in Kendrick Bourne. I like that they went on got a, a tier one or maybe even a tier two uh, free agent option at the receiver spot. So excited with the Davis signing and and hell, they might double dip there. We'll talk about this after this next one. This was the biggest signing of them all because I think Draw Davis was good. Corey Davis was great, but it was still, I think after those two signings, it was still maybe underwhelming day one, just because they missed out on Tooney and Lindsley, which was out of their control. But still, it just felt like that was the one thing they really needed to do. And and I sent that tweet out where I was like, well, you better throw the bag at Carl Lawson then. You better turn around and dump a bunch of money into edge because there was plenty of edge guys available. You have the money. The Jets have, you know, went into free agency with $70 million in cap space. You have to spend it elsewhere. And in a vacuum, it makes a lot more sense to pay an edge guy $15 million on the open market than a guard and Lawson. And in my opinion, and I believe in yours as well was the best free agent pass rusher available outside of Shaq Barrett. Um, I was stunned when I saw the news. I really didn't think they were going to get it done. I, I didn't even think Lawson was going to hit the free agent market. And once he did, Jason Lockham four was saying that he's probably going back to the Bengals. And there was the jets rumblings with Trey Hendrickson's, but all, all of that was wrong. The Jets landed Carl Lawson and looks like they may have their first legitimate edge rusher in about a decade and a half since John Abraham. The curse may be snapped. We've yet to see him play a game yet. Um, but Michael, your thoughts on Carl Lawson. This one has me jacked up. I'm so excited about this one. I, I kept tweeting throughout the day, go after Lawson, especially after the O-line signings uh, fell through or those two guys went elsewhere. It's like, there's no excuse. Go after Lawson with everything you got. You have to get him. If not him, one of the other edge guys also, like Hendrickson or Dupree. But they got Carl Lawson, who was my favorite guy throughout this entire process. I did my profile on him uh, about a month and a half ago. He was my number one, just combining a bunch of different numbers. Number two on my entire edge board behind Barrett. Number one as a pass rusher. So he was my favorite guy here and the jets finally put effort at the edge position that's just the main story here they haven't spent a first or second round pick on it in so long um they haven't spent big money on it in so long but they finally prioritized it and they have a star now i know you look at the sacks he only is five and a half this year he had five last year whatever sacks mean nothing when you're evaluating how how good someone is as a pass rusher they mean absolutely nothing it's just sacks are luck you your job is to create pressure beat the guy in front of you and whether or not you're able to get a sack is just comes down to whether other things break your way so you get enough time to do it he is a pressure monster he was fourth in pressures among edge rushers last year with 64 had the most pressures among edge rushers from the right side of the defensive line he was second in the league in quarterback hits with 32 of those two a game which is ridiculous He's a star. He's going to create a lot of noise. Even if he's not a big sack guy himself, he's going to tee up a lot of sacks for that interior. Franklin Myers and Quinn Williams, they could be the guys who are putting up the sack numbers thanks to what Lawson's doing on the outside. And you just think of the Jets have had so much interior talent over the last few years, but they haven't 
really put up many sacks because there haven't been edge rushers on the outside forcing the quarterback to step up into them. Now you're going to start seeing that. And, and even outside the sacks, he's there's so many plays on his film where he's forcing incompletions um, because of, through his pressure, there's a play with Deshaun Watson where he has a wide open touchdown that he overthrows because Lawson dominates the left tackle and gets there with a hit to force him to throw it inaccurately. And he does a ton of that. So Carl Lawson, really good. He's explosive. Another great stat. He is ranked top five among edge rushers in average get off time um, from snap to uh, when he's, when he gets out of his stance in all four of his seasons. So the Jets finally have a guy with explosiveness and burst. Um, his power is great. He's a great long arm move. He's able to throw inside inside moves. He's able to sidestep into the B gap. He's he's a lot in his repertoire, and uh, that that's what's exciting. He has legitimate pass rush tools. It's not like he got hustle sacks and hustle pressures, right. just chasing plays down. He can beat people. He's an absolute monster. Yeah. He has finesse. He has a repertoire of moves, and he has great raw physical tools. So yeah, very excited about this one. He's perfect for that Leo role for that solid defense, which is just so crucial. It's what Bosa played um, under him in San Francisco. And yeah, winning the one-on-ones is the biggest thing. The Jets haven't had somebody who can consistently win one-on-ones in, as I said, a decade and a half since John Abraham. Um, Even a guy like Trey Hendrickson, who uh, I know there was some rumblings about the Jets signing him. He ended up replacing Lawson in Cincinnati. If you look at a lot of his sacks and a lot of his hurries, no, he's a good player. I think I would have been cool with the Jets signing him. But Lawson's a completely different story. Hendrickson was getting a lot of coverage sacks. Uh, he was a lot of hustle sacks. It was taking him a while to get to the quarterback. Lawson's a guy that was beating guys uh, like a drum and getting after that quarterback. And pairing him next to Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers is just so exciting um, because the Jets are going to have a legit pass rush next year because they're not done at that edge spot. They still have more work to do. They're either going to sign another guy in free agency, which I think they probably will, and then they might even draft another guy uh, in addition, I'm curious how this front line is going to be set because the Jets have so many good defensive linemen, but it's kind of hard to see how they're all going to fit because John Flanken Myers had an elite season at three tech and that pass rushing defensive tackle is more what Saul is looking for. So you'd think, okay, him and Quinn and they're going to start inside. You'll have Carl Lawson at the Leo and then you'll have somebody else at the end, but you can't forget about fully Fadakasi, who's one of the best run stuffing nose tackles in all of football. So then it's like, are you going to rotate? Could you put John Franklin Myers back out at five tech, which he did at the beginning of his year of his career, and then slide him inside on third down, which in our interview with him, he said he's very comfortable doing. Michael, I know you're against that. You're, you're in favor of just keeping JFM at, yeah. three, at, at three tech, rotate him fully, uh, and then go after another five tech in the free agency or draft. I guess just trying to talk about the fit of the Jets defensive line, because it's a really exciting position for the Jets. And not just because they have a bunch of, run stuffing three techs they actually have a legit pass rush uh, a legit pass rusher a legit superstar or budding superstar in quinn and williams and some elite production and fully fought Akasi and john franklin myers yeah i think ultimately that's what you're going to do i think you have franklin myers or quinn williams is your not an every down guy because really no interior guy plays every down but he played about 67 70% of the snaps on average last season so he's your primary um, primary guy you could play any of the three downs he'll rotate out sometimes but next to him I think then you can rotate um, either Foley Fadakasi or Franklin Myers based on run pass situations obviously running downs you know whether it's first down short yardage Foley can be in there third downs Franklin Myers can be in there um, and then on the edges I think 
you know, I think you definitely need to get another starter. Carl Lawson's going to be out there as one of your starters and opposite him. I think you need another guy just like him, a five tech defensive end who can rush with his hand in the dirt and handle that role almost full time. Again, not every snap because there's rotation on the D line, but I think there's plenty of space for everyone on this unit. It's, it's sort of similar to last season, uh, how they rotate the D line. That's, you know, Quinnen is your number one in terms of playing time. And then Foley and Franklin Myers sort of rotate beside him. Hey, and don't uh, forget so about I, Nathan Shepard. And Nathan Shepard is a great is a great third guy to have in there because injuries are going to happen. And he's someone who I think is capable of playing both, has shown he's capable of both playing the nose and out at three tech. So he definitely is good depth on the interior. So the defensive line is really set. I think you just need uh, another guy on the edge to start opposite Lawson. And Franklin Myers can play out there sometimes there will be situations where you throw him out there just to mix things up to give a little more size and power uh, to the tackles instead of speed just right. to shake it up but uh starting there full-time i don't think is the right thing to do he was amazing as a pass rusher on the interior last season i think he should stay right there and they should look for a, a pure edge to start opposite loss and there will be plenty of options in the draft there's still a lot of good stopgap options available, whether it's Alden Smith, Everson Griffin, Vinnie Curry, even throw Jadeveon Clowney in there. A lot of good options who could hold that spot down if they want someone Kerry to Hyder. Carrie Hyder as well is a great one. They could go after him. So there are a lot of good options, but I think uh, I think you're set on the interior. There's plenty of snaps to go around right. for all those guys, and you just need another starter on the edge. Well, and that takes us to my next question. Day one is in the books, but there's plenty more guys out there. And this is kind of where we thought Joe Douglas would thrive is that second wave. And it's coming. Day two, Michael, who are some of the names? And day three, I guess. We'll do a podcast for day two, though. But day two, who are some of the names that you want to see the Jets pursue? Obviously, there's still maybe another needed edge. Don't have a running back yet. Could see them definitely going after that. They don't have a backup quarterback. They clearly need help in the interior. They could make a splash move at receiver. Tight end is still a question mark. Corner is still a question mark. They could double dip at linebacker, hell, even safety. I mean, there's holes all over the place. Kicker, too. So who do you expect them to target day two? Who do you want them to target day two? Well, my first instinct was that I thought they should go after Hendrickson, try to double dip there, and kind of go that Packers direction. Just, Just go out there and fix your edge position. But He's off the board, and that the number he got might have been the same average per year as Lawson, but it might have been a little bit high for me because of the reasons you mentioned earlier with him. Um, so getting another edge, I think, is key. There are some good stop gaps like the ones I mentioned earlier. Um, at cornerback is where it's going to be interesting. Richard Sherman still out there. Shaq Griffin, William Jackson. Um, I, I guess they still have the money to where they could, if they're going to do another big money deal, they could do it at cornerback. Uh, again, not necessarily big money but you know double yeah, digits 10 to 12 yeah sort of the same range where they were with Corey davis so they could do that at cornerback um they have to figure out the slot are you going to bring back brian Poole or go after k williams hopefully one of those two guys because they're arguably two of the top five slot corners in the league over the past few seasons um at tight end you got to figure out a way to add some talent there i like gerald everett a lot to fill that role if they want to splurge and go after hunter hunter henry i think that's that's okay, but I really like Everett. Everett is similar to Jonu Smith in a lot of ways in terms of his ability to make plays with the ball in his hands, elusiveness after the catch. He can do a lot of the same things. So Gerald Everett would be an interesting one at tight end. Uh, at I feel like they they should be done with big wide receiver moves. I, I would have loved Samuel, but 
paying up for him unless you're cutting Crowder is probably not something you could do, but they should look for a gadget sort of guy at the wide receiver position. Well, Maybe an Isaiah McKenzie, someone right. like that. Um, but hey, bring back Perriman. <laughs> yeah. It's not really bad. Be interesting now. It doesn't fit what we're talking about with the gadget guy, but you know, as a number four deep threat, right. you know, for sure. I think the only reason receiver might make sense is if you're cutting Crowder because you can free 10 million up. And if you're not completely sure about Crowder's role in this offense, paying 10 million for a slot guy that, Slot position isn't as important in this offense. It's important, and Crowder can do other things. I do like his ability after the catch, but $10 million for him, you could cut him and get more of that gadget, Debo Samuel type of guy in Curtis Samuel, or even Juju Smith-Schuster. That's exciting. I think the Jets should explore it, but at the end of the day, I kind of do feel like Crowder will be back, and they'll draft one of those guys um, be- just because the draft is just so deep. I mean, there's at least five to seven guys that can fill that role immediately for the Jets. You can still have Crowder. Um, and then spend your money elsewhere. Yeah, and there's me- one guy at guard I have to talk about. Okay, go ahead. I, yeah. I know I know we're all panicking about the offensive line, but our our old friend Odey Abushi. Who would have thought he had a good? Was he in the Was he in the Idzik Twelve? He he was. I think he was part of that Idzik Twelve. <laughs> wow, so, <laughs> this was John Idzik's master plan. It was his be. master plan. Um, uh, well, he was picked actually in 2013, oh. so not not the 12, but he is Ooh. an Idzik pick. But um. It would definitely be full circle, but he played guard for the Lions last season was pretty good. His PFF grade was around the, uh, I think the 70th percentile, 80th percent. He was up there. He played really good. And brand also, you want to get some validation to grades always. And Brandon Thorne on Twitter, who's like the top O-line expert, he did an entire breakdown on him and thought his development was legit. He's going to be 30 this year, but he's really the best guard available. Only the pretty much the only guard on the market who was legitimately good last year at least apparently so i guess if you're looking for an upgrade of guard this might be the only option available yeah no i think i think abushi makes a lot of sense and because the jets run after lindsley i think that kind of takes him out of the andrews running or any other top of the yeah i, I was gonna say that like you go after andrews or uh, austin Ryder from the chiefs at center both of those two guys are top half top 10 sort of guys but based on not chasing Lindsley doesn't seem like that's in play. Yeah. Unless they're confident that either one of those guys can kick out the guard, but kind of seems like McGovern would make the most sense out of all of them. I think, yeah, I think Abushi makes a lot of sense. Get that veteran in there. They could explore the trade market as well. Brooks from the Eagles is available. Gabe Jackson from the, the Raiders. There's some guys they could potentially trade for. And then I think you're going to target that position at 23. Um, and there's going to be plenty of draft content to come in the next month. We could talk about that, but as far as free agents go, I think you're right. I think they have to land one of those guards. I think they need a backup quarterback. So I'm curious to see if they go after maybe a guy like Tyron Taylor, Jacoby Brissett. The running back position is really interesting to me. I like a guy like Marlon Mack a lot. He is coming off an Achilles tear though. So there's some question marks there. They could go with a guy like Jamal Williams, who I know is a bit of a fan favorite, but had solid third running back production in green Bay, similar offense, good in pass protection, good as a receiver. Um, but a tough runner. I think you could sign him and make him your starter, maybe draft another guy as well. And you, they're going to have a running back by a committee uh, approach, obviously, but I do think that's a position they should target. Gerald Everett is a name you just mentioned that I really love for the Jets. I think he would be a, a great signing for them. Hunter Henry is probably more exciting, but the injury issues are just so concerning. And I don't think Douglas. Yeah, wants I don't know to... if he's the type of guy at tight end who they want. He's more if, of a traditional if, tight end. If his, if his, 
value drops because of the injury question marks. Of course, I think they should kick the tires on it. I think they should surround their young quarterback with as much talent as possible. But with the injury question marks, a guy like Everett to me is a guy who's durable. He's still relatively young, has had production, played in a similar offense. I like that idea of pairing him and Hearn. And you still give Hearn room to grow uh, as a potential starting tight end. Um, yeah, I, I, there's there's plenty of, of avenues for Joe Douglas to go. It's clearly not over. There's a lot of holes to be addressed. And I think this is where we kind of all thought Joe Douglas would clean up. The cornerback position is really interesting. You mentioned a few names. Another one to keep in mind, Chidobia Woozy. I could see them taking a swing on a guy like Shaq Griffin or, uh, or Chidobia Woozy. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, kind of both played in similar defenses. Young guys who have had success weren't as hot last year. Um, their value could be potentially even less than $10 million. So I could see the Jets to- totally going after one of those guys on probably a one-year contract. I do think the Jets ultimately bring in Kwan Williams. Um, and yeah, I, I could see them signing another linebacker. Maybe not Morrow or, or Brown or any of those top guys, but I think they will sign another one just for depth and then target in the draft. Um, but certainly uh, an exciting few days. After day one, Michael, how would you grade Joe Douglas's first day um, of free agency. I, I would probably, it's, it's just so hard to knock uh, really for me. I, I have a hard time knocking GMs for not signing people because it's just something you can't fully control. But I, I guess they, I would not have minded if they did really go all out for Tooney with something ridiculous, because I think he is that good. And the need was that big. And, and also for Lindsley, I, I do think they should have, at least if it is true that they didn't look at him, I think they should have given it a look. I love Connor McGovern, but part of the reason I do like him is that I think he could effectively move over to guard. Right. So I, I do think they could have been more aggressive based on what we know, but at the same time, I don't want to knock them too much because this is free agency. You don't have control over that much that happens. So I'll knock them a little bit for the offensive line, but the way they rebounded with Davis and Lawson, I think they got great values on both guys they're both in their prime they're great scheme fits they were outstanding last season um so both of them i think were tremendous signing so i'll go with an a minus for day one yeah i I agree with that i I would say probably uh yeah i guess i'll go a minus just the loss and signing clearly pushed it over if if they didn't have the loss i'd probably go with a b um just because if they didn't get the edge then we'd have a big problem because not even not even because a big I, the offensive line and edge were the big things. Like, okay, there were only two good star offensive linemen, and one of them they weren't interested in. So it, it would be hard to get them. But right. edge, there were so many options, and it was such a big need. And you already didn't get the offensive lineman. There was there would really be no excuse for not doing that and not getting the offensive line. So I think that would be a problem. But they definitely um, came through with Lawson. Yeah, uh, Lawson for me just pushes it to a minus. I think we'll be in agreement here. Um, I just I'm over the moon with that signing. And when that news broke, it didn't reach the, the levels of us reacting to Robert Sala, but it was still a pretty excited um, reaction. I think he's going to be tremendous in New York. I think you're going to see a double digit sack guy here, um, especially playing alongside Quentin Williams and whoever else they add. I think the Jets are finally going to have a really good pass rush for Robert Sala. And that's huge because he's a guy that's pretty much only going to rush four every down. Um, and they, you have to get after the quarterback with those four. And you're going to have to make up for the potential weaknesses of your secondary. We, there's a lot of question marks there. Um, Michael, I want a Joe Namath guarantee from you. I want a guarantee on one free agent you think the Jets sign tomorrow. Or I guess today by the time people are listening to this. 
that's a tough one. Who I, I feel like I'm gonna go with. All right, I've I sprung one. it on I you. I know one. I sprung it on you. I have a good one. I'm gonna go with Kerry Hyder. I think he's gonna be the. I think did I steal yours? Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. (laughs) I I think he is makes perfect sense as a guy who you can get on a one year deal who can be a good starter, like actually above average, but you know at the same time is not great enough and old enough to where he'll be cheap, and you can get him on a one year deal, and he won't block whoever you end up drafting. So I think he makes a lot of sense. Great scheme fit, familiarity, um, great run defender, good hustle pressure sort of guy makes a lot of sense. He was going to be my guy, and now that you took him, I, I feel like I should maybe take a risk here. I'm, I'm considering uh, I'm considering another receiver here, maybe making a bold move. I'm considering maybe going with a corner, somebody outside the box like a Woozy or Griffin. Oh, this is a tough one. You know what? I, I think it's Everett. I think they will sign Everett. I, I like I'm, it. I don't know if they're going to sign it tomorrow. Like That's the reason I'm not saying K1 Williams is because I think the, t- the report that came out that he's going to wait a few days. Um, I think that ultimately does get closed. He's a New Jersey native, clearly a big fan of Robert Sala. I don't think there's any reason that won't get done, but I don't think it gets done until Wednesday or Thursday. So if we're going just for Tuesday, I'll go Jared Everett. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's kind of an under the radar guy, but a huge position um, for the jets that they need to get somebody because they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. There's a lot of question marks about Herndon. Nobody's really talking about Herndon's injury history as well. Uh, and the downside of, uh, of his last year, I, I, th- I think they'll definitely sign a tight end. And I think Everett makes uh, a lot of sense for them. So I'll go Gerald Everett. But yeah, I think Kerry Hyder is the guy they're going to sign tomorrow. I think he makes a lot of sense um, for them. And then, yeah, then they're just going to go not necessarily bargain bin shopping because the second wave of free agents is just so good this year, but they're going to clean up on that second round. I mean, I could see them signing Jamal Williams. I could see them signing a backup quarterback. Um, I think they will go after Ibushi. Um yeah, there's a lot of, uh, of moves to be made. And I do think they'll make a move at corner. I think one of the three out of a woozy Shaq Griffin or a killer was Witherspoon is going to be a jet by the end of the week. I just don't know which one. Um, if I had to guess, I guess I'll say a woozy, but that's just a shot in the dark. I don't really know. Um, but day one in the books, Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty optimistic about day one for the jets. Um, it started off pretty rough. It started off in the worst case scenario, but by the end of the day, I think we're both pretty happy. We'll see what Joe Douglas has in store for the rest of us um, for the rest of the week. Um, But obviously um, a really exciting time to be a New York Jets fan. They're building this thing. They're turning it around um, and just, and we have the draft next week with so next month, excuse me, um, with just so many assets to build this team around. I'm, I'm really excited. And I think that loss and signing changes a lot because if you can dominate the trenches, you're going to win a lot of games. And if you can get after the quarterback, especially that's going to help so many other things on your defense, just like an offensive line helps open up the running game and can give your quarterback more time to pass. If you're getting after that quarterback, your corners don't have to be as good. Your linebackers don't have to be as good if you can get after that quarterback. Yeah, I I think it works front to back a lot more than the other way around. I think your pass rush can make the secondary's job easier, much more so than the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I just think that that he was a home run signing for the Jets. Um, So, yeah, Michael, uh, I know you're ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. We'll see how we feel 24 hours from now when we do another podcast. Um, But it's going to be tough to top today, I think. I think today was a very good day. For the New York Jets, you can follow us at CYJ Potter on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Jets, X Factor. Day one in the books, day two on deck. Stay tuned with us. We're going to have a podcast every day this week. Go Jets. And I don't even think I have to say don't let the Jets ruin your life because for one day, we always clean up in March, but in one day, it feels pretty damn good to be a New York Jets fan. <laughs>